RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Okay, welcome everybody to this uh, first in a series called Radio Gaga. I'm Paul Brennan. I'm a radio guy, and this is where I get to talk to some of the really well-known radio guys in New Zealand, some of whom are heroes to many and um, we've been listening to for a long time. I can't think of a better person to start this series off, Radio Gaga, the Braemar Sessions. How's that for a name? Then Muzza Ingalls. Welcome. Well, well, thank you, mate. I think I'm the only one that's left alive, probably. How does that feel? Um... Because we, we, I try not to think about it really, because yeah. I realise I probably got another twenty years left, which is kind because of, my mother died at ninety three, right, and I'll be seventy six this okay. year. Yeah, so well, um, we caught up at Merv Smith's funeral, yeah. and, and that got me thinking that before before you sort of realise that people start disappearing, and it's and this is one of the reasons I want to do this because I'm not saying that this is trying to uh, foretell anything, but it's important to get. You know the the memories yeah. and the and and a sense of what what uh, our um, heritage is. Yeah, in radio. Yeah, and, and and I want this to be a sort of series that radio people uh, basically relate to, but it is accessible to everyone. So I hope you don't mind talking about you know your career and where it's oh, where God, you've come no, from. No, no. So uh, that sometimes all I have left are great memories. Yeah. You yeah. Know, and they are great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're, we're calling it the Braemar Sessions because we're in Braemar House yeah. in Parliament Street, um, a home owned by another well-known radio guy, John Sweetman. Wait, will, there's more. Yeah, but wait, there's more. And there will be because we'll be talking to him as yeah. part of the series as well. And uh, But your journey um, in radio, I, I'm wondering if it sort of started basically like most of us. We had a moment that... You know, or, or we listened to the radio. We had a moment that we we decided, yeah, this is we met someone. This is what we want to do. Is it like that? For you? Yeah, yeah, it was. I, I mean, I'd always been fascinated by radio, and I can remember going way back as a child and listening to radio serials. And right. the first one I remember was on Two XP in New Plymouth called "The Search for the Golden Boomerang," and I've actually found an episode of it on YouTube. But then, uh, when I was about nine, they had this thing on local radio again called Teams Quiz Mm. and all the kids from different schools, a team of three I think it was, would go in court to six on a Wednesday night done live and um, we'd answer quiz questions and I'll never forget this one particular night (laughs) because I've told you the story but um, I the question was what do they call the guards at the Tower of London and my little mind ticked over and I said it's either beefeaters or beefooters and Jack Gardner was the, the host of the, the show, and he said, well, you have to make up your mind. And I said, oh, I'll go for beef footers. And, of course, some little minx from another school <laughs> immediately piped up and said, I think it's beef eaters. And, of course, she was right. right. And we lost that episode. Yeah. The nuns didn't talk to me for a week. <laughs> so you are from New Plymouth. Yeah. That whole provincial radio thing, I think, is quite fascinating. Yeah. People, I grew up in the city, I wasn't aware of any of that. And, of course, once I got out in RNZ and posted around the place, you realise how how huge those local radio stations were. They in were, the day. They, they were everything, yeah, really, weren't yeah. they? Um, and the other thing that was so good about living in New Plymouth 
one night I just turned on the radio and I was one of those kids that fiddled. You know, <laughs> my mother said, you're such a fiddler. Um, and I came across to UE Sydney. Oh. Because... New Plymouth is out on that yeah, point. It's actually yeah. very, it's the closest point. Yeah. I guess it's a couple of hundred k's out if you want to measure it um, <laughs> to, to the other part of the central North Island. Yeah. And I heard these disc jockeys, John Laws wow. and Bob Rogers, and was just fascinated. And John Laws was wild. Yeah. There are lots of. Well, what was fascinating about it? <sighs> they played great songs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and but Laws, he had this echo on his voice, and he'd go whoo like that, you know, and and talk, and obviously loved the music, and I, I'd never heard anything like it, you know. For, in New Zealand, it was sort of Radio Two XP, New Plymouth, you know, rounded vowels, and here were these people who sounded like the sort of people I wanted to be, mm. and there were a whole bunch of them, and. I used to listen every night. It drove yeah. my parents mad. In fact, I got to the stage where I wrote to David Jones in Sydney and ordered 45s from them so I could wow. run my own little radio station. We well, see that's dedication. That's yeah. application. Um, was there anything in your earlier childhood? You know, did you like to perform? Did you like yeah. to entertain? Was that always there? Yeah, it was. Uh, every year in the May school holidays, we had the competitions. And I every year the nuns would enter me in it. <laughs> and I remember my dear mum would take me along to I think it was called the Trades Hall. And I'd win every year. Yeah. <laughs> I remember um doing a poem by Rudyard Kipling called Boots. Boots, 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 boots. I think walking up and down again, that's what I can remember. But yes, yeah, so I'd win the and I was bullied at school by kids who said, oh, you talk so nicely. You know, it was all that sort <laughs> yeah, of thing. Yeah. Um, so I think that in a way that was my escape as well. The radio was my escape yeah. from, because I, I was actually bullied mercilessly. Right. Yeah. Here you go, cool. Bill. <laughs> mercilessly, that's that's quite a strong word. Yeah, that was. Yeah. Um, and I, I still remember... You know, these kids, I remember their names, and they used to have this little rhyme they used to yell out at me. Oh, God, this sounds so victim-y, doesn't it? <laughs> well, we're, we're in a victim yeah. era at the moment, so uh, uh, yeah. apparently. They said, if Iggy Ula dares to come, just kick his bum and away he'll run. Oh. And that was shouted at me. Yeah. Um, by these kids, yeah. and um, not nice. I, well, it was awful, and and you know it was hitting and all that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. You know, so, um, uh, yeah, I, I guess I was a sensitive weak kid, but but because when you go out and put yourself in front of audiences, even though you're not in front of them directly, and it's hard to see them, you know they're there. I mean, um, that's you know you're being very upfront, aren't you? You're not you're yeah. not hiding away. You, you, you're yeah. being upfront. Did did you take it? Back to them, what was your defensive mechanism for being bullied? I didn't really. I I think I just went home and cried. Okay, as you do. Yeah. Yeah. And threatened to set my dog on. <laughs> but I never did. Yeah. And mum went and saw the nuns eventually, and, yeah. and it was a stop was put to it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, um, I, I, I was... Uh, 
How would you say? I was a sickly child. Right. I think that was a problem. When so I they're, was, they're picking on weak, yeah, weak characters yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Darwinian I was, sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. When I was a child about four, I apparently fell off the gate and cracked open the back of my head Ooh, yeah. and was hospitalized and apparently was very close to my mother. And till, yeah. yeah, and then threw fits till I was about seven. Wow, yeah. Uh, and then I got rheumatic fever and all this. So oh, I was one of yeah. those kids. Um, and now I have the, I'm the only one of the family left alive. You look very it? healthy, I've got to say. I'm very healthy. Yeah. So um, anyway, I... Eventually, I remember at high school, I was in the drama club and all that stuff. And Murray Hewson, who was a local radio announcer at the time, was invited to come and judge the school sight, sight reading contest. Mm. And I was in the fourth form, and this was up against the sixth, and upper six, they called them in those days. And I won it. Um, reading, I still remember reading a piece for, by Hilaire Belloc and the prize, which I hated, <laughs> was a book by Thor Heyerdahl called Aku Aku, The Secret of Easter Island. Oh, wow. But I was, you know, 13 or 14 and not really interested. <laughs> not the, quite the appropriate prize. For no. And anyway, Murray Houston called me aside yeah. afterwards and said to me, you should think about going into radio. Right. And that just blew me away. Yeah, to hear that must have been uh, it was, pretty cool. I, I remember I rushed home and told my mum and my dad and my brothers. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, I think I told the whole street, <laughs> <laughs> Beach Street in Fitzroy, yeah. New Plymouth. Um, you, you wanted to hear that? Yeah. You wanted to hear that, Oh, right? God, yeah. Yeah, I was blown away. It was just the beginning of a dream for me. Yeah. And... Uh, but, you know, I remember kids saying, oh, you want to be in radio. They used to call me because I had a longish hair, and they called me Bidgey the Bodgy. Okay. Well, it's not, not a bad handle for the radio, really. No, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah but that. I never used it. Yeah, yeah. Um, because my mother used my, the nickname my mother gave me was Bidgems, which is after the Murrumbidgee River. Right, okay. Yeah, uh, and, of course, I was Murray, yeah. and my nana came from that area in okay. Australia. So, yeah. blah, blah, blah. So, uh, I went to... Um, my parents, th oh, that's right. Yeah, I want to ask you about your parents because I remember uh, when I told my dad yeah. that this is what I was going to do and he wasn't very, well, I wouldn't say he wasn't supportive, but he didn't think it was a real career. He said, no, well, shouldn't you, son, I'm a printer uh, or go get a trade or, or do something. This is, this is not a real job, a real career. And he didn't try to put me off, but he tried to steer me away from it. Did you get that sort of reaction? No. Um, my dad was... I don't know how you describe him, really, but he I didn't really know him that well, and I, I wish now that I did, but he he wanted... There were three boys mm. in the family. We, we all had to be all blacks. <laughs> I hated rugby. Mm. Um, did you have to hide that, by the way? That, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, and he, he kept saying, get yourselves a trade. Get a trade. But when I said I wanted to be on radio... He did everything to help me. Well, in fact, great. he went up to 
2XP, this is after a lot of cajoling, etc., and saw a guy called Bob someone, this is in New Plymouth, and said, look, my boy wants to go to radio, what can you do? And they, he got me and sent me off to head office transcriptions of Wellington. Right. Is that bef- that's before Broadcasting House, is it? Uh, this was in Marjorie Bank Street, yeah. up behind the Embassy Theatre. Right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I used to sit there and wrap up the parcels yeah. and send out the cereals. Out to the stations, yeah. 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 And, uh, and did all that with a woman called Rev Hay Surridge. That's a great name. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. You could use that, too, on, as yeah. a character on air, too. Yeah, you? you could have it. Actually, yeah. I never thought of that. Yeah, it was still time. <laughs> yeah, it's still time. Yeah. Um, so what was it like then? Because I've seen old pictures of these people working, you know, in the archive, and they've all got shirts and ties, oh, and shoots. everyone looks very ordered and, you know, white coats for the techs and things like that. It was very like that. And it was a mass of records and, and a mess. I look back <laughs> and I remember there was one old guy there, a lovely old man called Claude someone. Um, and he smoked like a train and always had ash down the front of his <laughs> Nice. And I had to share an office with this woman called Margaret Buist. That name rings a bell. Oh, what? Yeah. Yeah. Very big butch woman. In fact, she was butch. Yeah, right. Um, and I, the thing I remember about her was that she hated oranges. Oh. So she wouldn't let me eat oranges in the office. Oh. I had to go outside. Oh, sort of like pre-smoking. Yeah, 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 yeah. In fact, she smoked as yeah. well. So, so smoking was the new orange eating. Yeah. If you want to think of it. Yeah, that yeah. I mean, every, they all smoked in the yeah. offices. Well, yeah, they did. Yeah. yeah I, I used to. Yes, I'm here. And had no shame. It's incredible <laughs> to think about it now. And if anyone can play, I'll rack off. Leave yeah. us alone. Oh, they What's all wrong smoke with themselves. Yeah, well, that's yeah, right. Yeah, they had yellow now. orange fingers. You know? <laughs> um, getting on air, though. Um, well, that was that was a struggle. Yeah. Uh, what, why? I remember there was this person called Ken Green who ran the... He he chose announcers, I guess, right. and he had a pipe and a tweed jacket, I remember, and was an incredibly dull person. And I've since found out that he he'd been in the British Army before he came to New Zealand, so he was very right into the BBC sound. Yeah, and I remember going in and doing an announcers audition. <laughs> And he said, you've got a dark hell. And, of course, I had no idea. And something about diphthongs. Right. And I had a bad New Zealand accent. So I didn't pass that, so I didn't get into the training school. And they sent me off to Palmerston North to 2ZA. Right. And there were some lovely people there, actually. There were a couple of women there, one called Bonnie Lux, another one called Rosemary Hennigan. And an announcer called Peter Adams, and they were they were lovely. They were really nice, and they kind of sort of looked after me because mm. I was very young. I was a Catholic boy from New Plymouth, remember, mm. naive as hell. And anyway, I decided that that we should have this hit parade, 
and I would do it, and yeah. I would write the script. Right. But I'd heard, I was listening still to Australian radio, to 2SM by this stage, and I'd noticed they didn't say a lot, but what they did say was tight. So you're picking apart now the format of things. Yeah. I'm starting to hear these, you know, they, they could say in 15 words what the announcers at 2ZA would say in 60. <laughs> And I wrote scripts like that. Mm -hmm. And they said, you're not doing your work properly. There should be more words in these scripts. <laughs> more words. Yeah. So, and... Were you presenting these? You're writing no, for other no, people? No, I was writing for other people. I was writing for an announcer called John Walters. He did the right. show. Okay. And I was in the program department with another person called Des Wilson. Ah, Des. Des. Yeah, I know Des. Still around? Yeah, I believe so. And, and looks timeless. I saw him about a year and a half ago. Really? And, and Dez is ageless. Well, Dez and I just didn't get on. Oh, okay. Hi, Dez. Yeah, I used to send him up and call him Dulcie. Oh, right. <laughs> well, he was at the training school. He, yeah, yeah. When, yeah. When yeah. I well, he, him, was, yeah. he was in the programs department with another guy you've probably heard of called Don Corbin. Yes. Yeah. 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 And Graham Dearsley, who... I've become friends with right. in recent years. Yeah. Um, and another guy called Roger Broadbent and Chris Muirhead. Yeah, I've known Chris, yeah. Yeah, well, Chris and I are still great mates, right. always have been. Anyway, to cut a long story short, um, one day I was called in to Sefton Freeman's office. I remember Sefton? Yeah. yeah. She come into my tabernacle, he used to say. <laughs> um, and this, this sort of pipe-smoking... Man called Harvey O'Loughlin, I think his name right. was. And they said, You have absolutely no future right here. We're terminating your cadetship. You're, nice. wasting, you're wasting your time. I still remember it. And I remember walking out of there in tears. And Rosalie and this woman called Bonnie Lux and Peter Adams all took me into this little record booth and just sort of. Oh. They were lovely. Yeah. And um so discouraging though. Oh, absolutely. I mean, what do you think you're doing when you're saying that to someone? I know. But that's the way they were. Back yeah. in the day. Yeah. Huh. Um so I packed up my bags, left Palmerston North, came up to Auckland and got a job working nights in the hospital as an orderly <laughs> and sometimes day work at a factory out at Worry. Which was all good experience. Yeah, I was going to say, surely that must inform oh. your understanding of people and what you do in entertainment later on. Yeah, with characters I did. And like I realised what people talked about and and what, what how they thought. Whereas I think these days people go to a to the radio school in Christchurch and want to be stars immediately mm. Mm. and really don't get that life experience. That's a very good point. Yeah, and and I remember. Um, I, I eventually saved up enough money and went on the Oriana to Sydney. Oh, right. Yeah. It was sick the whole way. <laughs> and when I got there, I, a stroke of luck, um, my aunt and uncle produced radio serials. Wow. Okay. And my uncle was the voice on Dr. Paul who said, Wow. Can we bring you radio's great story. That, about that was a huge program. Right? Yeah, yeah. I remember my mother talking yeah. about Dr. Paul. Then. Well, Ron Roberts was my uncle and he did the voice. <sighs> 
and his wife was Hilda Skur. They both worked for Grace Gibson, and she produced Life with Dexter and Nightbeat. And he did a lot of the voiceovers on that. So they took me under their wing, took me into 2UW, uh, and they knew a technician there. He put together an audition tape, and we sent it off. And I got a job in a little town called Berry in South Australia, 5RM. What year is this? Just 19. <laughs> Dare I say 1964? Wow, I was only a year old when that happened. <laughs> I, I, I but, think but, I, but it's a job. Oh, the best. It doesn't matter where it mate, is, right? I learnt so much there. The it was a very small station. It was it was top forty. Hmm. There was nothing like it in New Zealand, right? Um, oh, so they were into that before us. Oh, oh, years before New Zealand. Yeah. I mean, I, I just sort of going back, I remember writing after listening to two UE, writing to somebody in Wellington and saying, why don't you have disc jockeys in New Zealand? Why aren't they? And they said, we prefer, I, the reply was something along the lines of, we prefer to have our announcers well-rounded. We don't want people who only specialise in one thing. Mm. Well, that turned out well, didn't it? Didn't it? <laughs> When they realised they could make money out of it, exactly. they were in. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, it took them a while, yeah. but there were people like you know Scott Newman uh, and Des Britton and Cham the Man who were all early front runners. Mm. Particularly would, Scott. You call Newman. them da- DJs in the classic sense, would you? I think in New Zealand you did. Yeah. They were DJs, but they did half-hour shows. Mm. Is that all? Yeah. Crikey! They did a half. Scott Newman did a half-hour show called Gather Rounds. Every Wednesday, sponsored by Rickard and Coleman, New Zealand Limited. Scott actually went on to Australia and worked at 2UE. He was also a doctor, and his real name is Paul Ricketts. And until recently, he was the voiceover guy on the History Channel. Wow. So, that's, a, that's a big gig. Yeah. yeah. yeah he's just finished. I but think. A, like a medical doctor? No, no. he was, uh, oh, Yeah, he was yeah, yeah. a medical doctor. And I think the story was that he was told by um, the medical association in Australia he had to decide, did he want to be a DJ or did he want to be a doctor? Right. Which is fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He chased the doctor, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So he left to UE, but he still did voiceovers. And, and as I say, until... Just a couple of months ago, he was the voiceover guy on the History I, I Channel. I think I know the voice, and it's, yeah. a, it's a great voice. Stunning voice. Yeah. Well, you'd have to be to get yeah. to that level. Yeah. yeah. So um, so they were the only New Zealand influences on me. The rest were all right. Australia. So you're about to go to this, this small town. You've got this yeah. job. Before we get to that, I want to ask you a bit about music, because that will come inevitably yeah. into what you do. And um, this interest putting you know DJing and, and radio announcing with music what was the first musical memory or the, the first being turned on to music memory that you've got well I mean going right back I can remember <laughs> songs like The Happy Wanderer right and I remember my older brother fascinated <laughs> me because there was a song called The Finger of Suspicion and he's over a period of a couple of weeks, he sat by the radio and wrote down all the lyrics to that wow. song. Yeah. 
Well, as it was played, he would get a yeah, few more words. Yeah, he'd get a few more lyrics because yeah. it was. And then I bought. Then I saved up some money. I mean, we were reasonably well off. Excuse me, and uh, bought a little tape recorder, uh, like a little reel to reel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I used to sit in my bedroom, going, "Hi there, you there." <laughs> <laughs> And all that stuff, and and pl- and I had one turntable, so I stopped the tape and started, yeah. and do all this. Right, okay, yeah. So I, and I had a wee mic and all yeah. that. Um, so yeah, so that, but, but rock and roll comes along. Right? Yeah, yeah, rock and roll came along, and I can still remember. Uh, used to listen to the Lever Hip Parade. It was a must. Seven o'clock on a Thursday night <laughs> was so on to appointment but, listening. It was appointment listening. And this particular night, I can still see it. I was standing with my back to the radio, and I can still see our lounge ahead of us. I can see all this in my mind. Wow. And my brother was over in a corner there, or coming in the door, and Selwyn Toogood said, this is a new singer. His name is Elvis Presley. Wow. And this, and they call, I think they, I think he said, and they call him Elvis the Pelvis. And the song was Heartbreak Hotel. It's only a couple of minutes long. Yeah. So what did I was? What sold. was that like? I was sold. Really? I was sold. Rock and roll. Yeah. And then, and <laughs> and I remember going to the Mayfair Theatre in New Plymouth and seeing a movie that starred Bill Haley in the Comets called Rock Around the Clock. And what fascinated me about that was. With the music, obviously, it was all rock and roll songs. But the real amazing thing was that these people, young people, got up and did rock and roll in the aisle at the movie theatre. Wow! And you freedom, amazing. I've never. I, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen that again. Mm. And I used to go along. There was another film came along called Rock, 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 and Chuck Berry was in it. Wow. And people got up again, yeah. and we're rock and roll. And I was just sold, and I wanted to rock and roll. I wanted to learn it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, that became a really essential part of radio, didn't it? That that mu- explosion of music, it changed uh, radio. Yeah, it d- well, it didn't really. Not in New Zealand until oh, okay. it was yeah. a few years. It was. I mean, when I, I this was prior to my getting into radio, yeah. and radio at that stage was still very staid. Yeah. I mean, I remember at two ZA did all this block programming. You know, at three o'clock they'd have. Uh, 15 minutes of Hawaiian music followed right. by 15 minutes of country music followed by a classical half hour of classical music and then maybe, you know, Bing Crosby sings. Yeah, wow. And then some serials. So, so, trying to be everything. Trying to be everything. To all people. Yeah. Though I think you said that um, you liked uh, South Pacific as one of your favourites, right? So that's uh, well, from that era. I, that era. Well, the reason that I... Well, I also in New Plymouth. I was in. I, I joined the little theatre mainly because my art was in it. Yeah. And um, you'll know this person. I did. I got a role in a play called "The Remarkable Mister Pennypacker," and the lead was Jim Healy. Oh yeah, Jim Healy, famous, famous. Yeah. Who decided? And I still remember this that I was trying to upstage him. Oh. 
and he had a moan. <laughs> and then, um, then I got a role in a pantomime. Peter Pan played the crocodile. The other half of the crocodile, I was in the back and he was in the front, was Darren Hinch. Wow, he's a senator now. He's a senator in Australia. His father had the Belt Road Dairy in New Plymouth. And an actor called, um, oh, God, what was his name? John. His name was John. He went on to win an Oscar for the screenplay for Break Morant. Right. John, I can't... Because these are high-achieving people in your in your midst, in your local community. Yeah. It's incredible. New yeah. Plymouth. Yeah. Um, and there Including was, you in that, too, uh, by the way. No. <laughs> <laughs> and, there were, and there was a woman called Gillian King who was also... Um, so we did... Uh, I, I was in Peter Pan. Anyway... My mother took me, I remember my mother took me up to Auckland. We stayed in a hotel, which I thought was just amazing. And we went to the radio theatre at 1ZB. And we went in at half past three in the afternoon. We sat in this huge theatre. I don't know if you ever saw the radio theatre. No, but I remember the broadcasting house studios are probably yeah. a similar size, different yeah. thing. Oh, but this was yeah. huge. You could have like a couple of hundred people yeah. in the audience. Yeah, yeah. and, well, and uh, there was a stage. Yeah. And on it sat this woman in a hat and gloves and a handbag <laughs> called Marina. And she did this thing called the Women's Hour. Right. And the day we went and she had this man called George Dean, who was the curator at the Auckland Zoo. And I was fascinated. And above her were all these windows with technicians and people doing things. Yeah. And I just (laughs) couldn't believe it. Yeah. Anyway, the next day we decided we'd go to the movies we went to South Pacific at the, at the Cinerama Theatre, which was in the middle of town next door to almost to Smith & Cowie's. And I've never forgotten it. Wow. This huge screen that was sort of, I don't know how big, but, and stereo sounds and these colours, yeah. these amazing colours, just... Everywhere. Uh, so I just love South Pacific. And that reminds me, actually, I mentioned the name Peter Adams. When I went to Australia, Peter had left to ZA about the same time that I did. He went to Australia and got into theatre. And he was appearing at the Tivoli Theatre. And he, I got hold of him. And his mother had gone to school with my mother. That was in Pangarehu and Taranaki by, um, by Perry Harkapa. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's another story again. Yeah. And anyway, he got me a job as a dresser at the Tivoli Theatre. And um, I worked there with all sorts of people, did some work in the chorus for what for what was the it was another pantomime so long ago and i did that for a while and then off to bury yeah yeah um, this was sort of filling in so he was a great help i mentioned him and he went on to star in an australian show called cop shop 
he played the lead in Man of La Mancha, which is the musical version of Don Quixote. Mm. Um, and he worked with a woman called Rowena Wallace, who was big in theatre. Anyway, so off to Bury. Yeah, so you hit this town, and it's your first gig. I arrived there in this plane, tiny plane, yeah. fly, flown in from Sydney, in the middle of South Australia, on the River Murray. And I'll never forget arriving there in this grass paddock, <laughs> tin shed, and there's this guy, man, Liz Bradley, waiting. Shot me off, got me into boarding with a good Catholic family, as he put it, because right. he found out that I was a Catholic. Okay. The Flavels, who were lovely people. And we went to the station. He said, now, are you ready to go on the air? And I said, oh, yes, yeah, yes, I can do this. <laughs> Never having been on the air in my life except at home yeah. and doing the dummy at TUW. Yeah. Oh, so this is, this is truly the first time? Yeah. Saturday, the 9th of January, 1964, 6 o'clock at night. Wow. This guy called Mike Fuster sort of sat me down. He said, blah, 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 there's the reel-to-reel up there. 7 o'clock, you've got to play the Speedway Report. Um, the Speedway? Is that like motor racing Speedway? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh wow! Um, and you can <laughs> the Speedway Report. I don't think I've ever heard of that before. Yeah. Uh, oh, stories. I. Uh, um, anyway, before yep. we get into that, uh, and the first re- first song I played was "Lies" by a band called the Knickerbockers. <laughs> <laughs> no, very Beatles. I don't know. I don't know it. No, no. Yeah. I played occasionally on my little station because it brings back memories. Right, yeah. um, and anyway, I just shouted and talked at a thousand miles an hour. And Mike was sitting out in the car with some friends, and he came. And I remember he came in and said to me, "If you keep that up, he said you'll kill your voice." He yeah. said, just quiet, bit of advice, yeah. Just tone it down, yeah. And he was actually he was sixteen, I think. Yeah, very young in those wow, days. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and a good jock. Yeah, taught me a lot, and um, so I toned it down. But I didn't get the Speedway report on here until ten o'clock. <laughs> There's people hanging out for it. I couldn't work oh. this reel to oh, reel. Was it was that reason. It yeah. was sort of behind me on the yeah. wall. Crazy. And so, but the the thing about Berry and that little radio station was that you did everything. Yeah. You went out. You sold advertising. You wrote the ads. In the morning, you came in at, at six o'clock if you were doing the breakfast show for that day. And you dialed on the transmitter because it had been offline overnight. If you worked the night shift, you turned it off. And then you'd link with a station called 5KA in Adelaide, and we'd break out at 7 and do a local breakfast show till 9. And then we'd go back to 5KA. And then we'd come back, and I'd, then I'd do this thing, a version of Buy, Sell, and Exchange right. called Murray's Trading Post, because <laughs> we're on the river. And people ring up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And one of the things, God, these memories, they're just flooding back. Um, I remember I did this, inter- I was interviewing this woman from the Temperance Society, and I'd not long got new dentures. Right. I'd had my teeth taken out the top <laughs> ones. And we're sitting there, and she must have said something funny. 
because I laughed and my top teacher flew out of my mouth and landed in her lap. She calmly picked it up and said, I think you'll need these. (laughs) I died a thousand deaths. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember I got bitten by a poisonous spider and was quite ill. But but yeah, so there were so many, I learned so much. What about the voice? Because that becomes a trademark of a person. Yeah. Um, did you always have a voice? Did you have to work on the voice? I mean, or did it just naturally I, I, re- I remember some, I think Jim Healy and telling me and, and someone else telling me that I had a, ver- a, a lovely, rich voice when I was a teenager. And I used to listen to, even in, when I was in Berry, I'd listen to a station called 3UZ in Melbourne. And there were all these disc jockeys there, of course, 2SM in Sydney I listened to, and 5KA in Adelaide. John Laws was still my idol, so there was a lot of the, you know, mm. the deep voice. Mm. Um, but I, I started to listen to other people and realised that, most of them sounded very Australian. There was none of this BBC thing. So I I immediately developed quite a strong Australian accent, which people say even to this day. Oh, I can I sort of detect it yeah. myself. And uh, so I and one disc jockey that I just thought was the bee's knees was a guy called Stan Rofe, Stan the Man. Hmm. Years later... Years later, I worked at 3DB in Melbourne, and Stan Rofe, who was probably one of, as you read about him now, one of the most influential disc jockeys in Australia, discovered people like John Farnham, uh, the Little River Band, wow. all this, and yeah. he played what he was. He was the music director on the station that I worked at. Oh. And I was just blown away. I was doing nights. Graham Parsonage, who well known, was the program director at that stage. And 3DB was a big station. It was called DB Music. And I remember I used to go into Stan's office and I'd be just amazed at his knowledge. Mm. And he'd talk to me and he'd tell me stuff about people that I... You absorbed. Absorbed. Yeah. Because I was just... He was my idol. Because now we can instantly find information. Yeah. Back in those days, unless you really swatted up study, went to libraries, knew people yeah. who knew people, it was hard to get that level of general knowledge, exactly. right? And this was 1982. Wow. I'm yeah. talking yeah. here, yeah. so, yeah. you know. Um, and, and because of Stan... He then got me on to Hey Hey at Saturday, which was a big show. It was. We had it here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was on Saturday mornings. And I'd go in and we had a sort of a jukebox jury. And there'd be four of us on the panel and they'd play new songs. And we'd have little bats. Mm. We'd hold up and you had, you know, whatever you thought, one out of ten. So you say, oh, there's a nine. So, and then you'd give an opinion and you'd say, oh, yeah, I think that's great, though. And you you'd, you would have already found something out about the artist. So you mm. look mm. like you knew everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that was fabulous. And I remember I had this big Tom Selleck moustache. 
and I shaved it off. And Daryl Summers, who was the front guy on Hey Hey Saturday, said to me, oh, where's your moustache? You've got rid of it. I said, yeah, 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 I decided. So this is before the show. So on comes the panel, everybody on the panel, including that duck thing they had, you know, quackage, all had moustaches <laughs> except me. <laughs> and the, 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 there was a woman, an Australian singer called Lynn Randell. She had one. They'd all had these pla- plastered on, you know, fake moustaches. Oh, dear. Yeah. And here's you without one. <laughs> without one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, done with love. Yeah. It was, you know, we, but it, yeah, that was so funny. And. Well, um, that uh, okay. So that's that's the start. Let's fast forward a bit into the New Zealand experience, where our, a lot yeah. of our listeners will know you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, after that, I went to Bendigo. Can I just? Give oh, that? yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, and then I went to Hobart, where I met Dame Edna Everidge. Oh, right. And I'll yeah. never forget it. He came up and they said, "You're interviewing this person called Dame Edna." Yeah, yeah. And I, who I thought was a real woman. Oh, right. I didn't know. <laughs> And I remember, I never forget, and I said, and it was at the Hobart Royal Show. And, I mean, it's a silly line, but I, I'll never forget it. And I said, you know, you've been looking around our show in Hobart. Have you enjoyed it? And he said, oh, yes, I trod on a few pigs. <laughs> the rest of the interview went like that. Yeah, I can imagine. And, and I was about halfway through, I thought, I'm talking to a man here. <laughs> The other experience there. Well, well, he cracks that joke about Tasmania as Les Patterson. He, you know, yeah. it's like he, she flapped her map of Tasmania. Yeah, you know. yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And of course, you know where he got the name of his bridesmaid from? M- Madge Allsop. That's New Zealand. Yeah, well, with Madge Buses in Palmerston uh, North. Yeah, yeah, Madge Buses because I lived in Palmerston. I, yeah. I was in Tuesday. I remember they were a big company. Yeah, Madge. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah, and apparently the right? story is that Max Cryer took a photo of those buses. And he's a good friend of Barry, Barry Humphreys. Yeah. And that's where Madge, the bridesmaid, wow. bridesmaid from New Zealand. By the way, the actor I was trying to think of was Jonathan Hardy. Right. Who's since died. Yeah. But the other great story from Hobart was Sadie, the cleaning lady, had just come out. John Farnham. Yeah. Huge. And they said. You're doing a live appearance with John Farnham at the Hobart Mall. <laughs> so John comes, he's a lovely man, yeah. lovely guy. Yeah. So we go down to the mall, just thousands of screaming wow. girls. Gee. We walk into the middle, my shirt's ripped off me. <laughs> they couldn't work out. We were, which one's which? Uh, yeah. yeah, and it was just crazy. Yeah. It was like Beatlemania. Yeah. Yeah, they just... Just in golf, so they they obviously didn't know who John lost his shirt. It was just <laughs> terrifying. Years later, I was working at Radio I, and John toured New Zealand and half a sixpence, and I was blown away. He came in to be interviewed, and he said, "My God, I remember you. We Great. lost our shirts in the Hobart Mall years ago." It's brilliant that he remembered, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always think that's the mark of a star. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, people they don't forget. They don't, and they lock things away. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you must have met, actually speaking, that quite a few famous yeah. people over the years. Um, you sort of connected with. I mean, it was a perfect storm, wasn't it? Because you had 
um, popular music exploding like you wouldn't believe. Yep. Um, you know, the um, that whole style of broadcasting coming in. And I suppose an opportunity to, to use your humour and, and yep. all those things. I mean... I think you pushed it quite a long way. Oh, I do. I think I do. Back well, in, the, in the day, did you? I learned a lot in Australia. Yeah. I learned so much. I learned a lot in Hobart. Anyway, what happened, well, I mean, I won't go into how I actually got there, but I came home for a holiday and I'd been offered a job in Perth at a station called 6pm. And I didn't think what, what, what would have happened if yeah, I'd done that. Yeah. Anyway... Um, Keith Ashton, uh, uh, who I'd worked with in Hobart, somehow found out that I was in New Plymouth visiting my parents and said, come up to Hamilton. I think you'll be great. Yeah. So... One ZH. Well, it was one XH then. Oh, really? It was called the Big 1310. (laughs) The Big 1310. I love it. And I went... uh, I, I had relatives in Tawamutu, so I went home and stayed with them... And they were my godparents and all that sort of thing. So I've been lucky with relatives, by the way. <laughs> and um, we went, I, I, we know, I, I think I caught the bus over and I met Keith and he introduced me to Bren Lowe. He said, Why don't you come and work here? And I thought, Oh, Hamilton, do I want to? And then I thought, Maybe this will be good. I'll be able to prove to all those people that had said I wouldn't make it because it wasn't only Tuesday. It was... All the way through. All the it? way through, people mm. that told me, yeah. So this is your chance to... Yeah. So I thought long and hard, because my mother was absolutely thrilled. She said, you can stay with, with the Edmonds, who are my relatives, and Tawamutu and blah, blah, blah. So I stayed with them for a while. And I... Took the job, and I don't really regret it. I, I did push the boundaries. Mm. I did some outrageous things, and one of the things that I remember, I did this fifteen-minute pop show that was sold nation nationwide called the Fruity Show, and apparently was played on two ZA. <laughs> right back into that. At, right back, yeah. and a friend of mine who worked there said, Sefton Freeman said. What on earth is he talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Still yeah. didn't get it. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so that sort of was a buzz. And then I did another network show on Friday night. So it also went on to ZA. <laughs> they couldn't. They couldn't get away from you. <laughs> no. Um, that, anyway, but the great story about Hamilton. And I noticed that Bill Francis put this in his book hmm. and actually got it wrong. Oh, okay. And I almost wanted to sue him for this. Okay. Well, we, let's hear the right uh, The real story was, it was a Thursday night about 10 o'clock. And the panel operator was a guy called Hugh Drury. He changed his name to Roger Green and went and worked in Australia. But it's, and now works for the ABC. Um, and this person rang up. We had this thing called the All New Zealand Toll Party Line. <laughs> because really there was only Hauraki and 1XH at right. that stage. Yeah. That was the only top 40 station outside Hauraki. The rest was still doing that old NZBC thing. Yeah. And Bryn Lowe set up the station that really 
got on the head office's work. <laughs> anyway, this night, this guy rings up half past ten at night. And I said, hi, uh, how are you? Where are you ringing from? He said, I'm ringing from the West Coast. And I said, oh, oh okay, fine. And uh, he, I said, do you want to say hello to someone? He said, yeah, I want to say hello to your station manager. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, that's Bryn Lowe. And he said, yeah, tell him he's a big <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Yeah, this is live. This was live. Ooh. And... I just went, oh, no. <laughs> that's that's the, the worst thing that could happen. I know. Not only is it bad language, but the... But also in those days, you just... The no, worst word. You'd get fired for that, couldn't you? If you well... Let some, wasn't Jim Healy was, had a problem? Yeah, well, I wasn't fired. No, no, no. But, yeah, but yeah, yeah. anyway, what happened, I went, oh, no. And I still remember I played. I went straight into the Seekers singing A World of Our Own. That's how clear the memory is. Wow. Now, the story that Bill Francis told was that this guy rang up and said, I said, hello. And this guy said, yeah, tell your station manager he's a big there. And according to Bill Francis, I laughed. Right. And I didn't. Okay. And and yeah, he, because that changes the whole thing. About yeah, if you're looking, it was. It yeah, was. Yeah. yeah. So I was quite hurt by that. Okay. Um, I only I only saw it about that about six months ago okay. in this book. Yeah. And it, it actually quite upset me. People said, "Oh, you shouldn't worry. Nobody will read that book anyway." But the fact is, um, I didn't laugh. I was quite upset. Yeah. And the next day, I remember I. I walked up up the stairs to Bryn Lowe's office and said, Bryn, I'm really sorry what happened. He said, look, I understand. It was a one-off. Yeah. But he said, next week, we're going to have a delay. He said, we're going to have a tape deck there yeah. and another one there about 10 feet yeah, away. Yeah, the tape between them is the delay, right? The, yeah. the delay, yeah. So... So Bill Francis intimated that I think that I was sacked, and I wasn't. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, 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 I apologise. Well, well, that sets the record straight. That sets the record straight. Mm. And yeah, then, because that was the great fear. I used to live in fear of something like yeah, that happening because, yeah. well, you got a well of crap if that yeah. happened, minimum. Yeah. Potentially. Uh, I mean, and probably if I had laughed, I would have been sacked yeah. on the spot, but yeah. I didn't. I just went, oh, no. Yeah. Ka-clunk, ka-clunk. And it was a nightmare. Yeah. And I, 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 don't, I don't think I slept that night. I, and as soon as I came in, I went in early. And I still remember going up those stairs to apologise. Back in, in that era where things were possibly a little more... Well, I mean, anything goes now, right? But um, it seems to me. But uh, back then, you had to be pretty smart about how you did things. You had to push it to the limit, but you couldn't sort of go over it, right? So, how did you work out how far to push things when you, when you were really out there? I mean, you locked yourself in yeah. the studio. Well, that was management years. didn't know that that was going yeah. on. So they must have been, what the hell is going on with this guy now? There's all these things um, that that you could say but couldn't say. I mean, how did you work all well? That out? Or did you just push it and see what I would happen? I pushed it. And also, as I say, I learnt a lot in Australia. Right. I learnt how to be outrageous. I, I learnt to take risks. And I think that New Zealand was still at that stage that you're talking about here, that um, people 
were afraid. Mm. They went to the radio school. They mm. they learned. They, they were taught to speak nicely. <laughs> um, so I did this thing. I remember I did. I was approached by Radio I, Mike Baker, actually said, and I was calling myself Murray the Eye in those days, and I was still at in Hamilton. And he came down on this particular Saturday afternoon and somebody said to me, oh, there's a guy called Mike Baker who wants to talk to you. And I knew who he was, that it was from Radio Eye. And I thought, oh, God, he's going to tell me I'm not allowed to use the name Murray the Eye because it's too close to Radio Eye. Of course, immediately thought the worst. He Mm. sat me down in the studio. He said, how would you like to come up to Radio Eye and do nights? I said, I'd love to. And I said, how did you find out about me? And he said, well, there's a guy called Mark Hackerman, and he's a real fan of yours, and he listens. And he thought that you should be working for us. So up I went to Radio I and did this thing called the Radio Revolution, where no wrinklies fly. (laughs) Who comes up with that? It was stolen. That's the strap line. That was the strap line. (laughs) And... It was. It's ages. Do you realise that? Oh, totally. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, but you could do it yeah. in those days, and the music was just straight top forty. Yeah, and I. And but in those days, you had a receptionist, and I. And I'll tell you who she was: Judy Donaldson, who was the other half of the Chicks. Right. She was my nighttime receptionist cool. at yeah. Radio I. So I used to make her, I called her Madam Min and made her answer the phone with a Chinese accent. So it was, hello, Radio I. Madness. Uh, and we had this make-believe town called Tarwai. Wow. And we did commercials. So we had the main industry of the town was taking the eyes out of white bait. That's <laughs> crazy. And this, uh, this was, I, we didn't have producers yeah. or that. And we had little commercials. And every it's a very night, niche business. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then we had commercials for. I think it was Doris's frock salon and... Like a virtual sort of world. Yeah. Yeah. And we'd have Taiwan News at nine o'clock every night. Yeah. And there was a wonderful announcer there <laughs> who went to Australia and became a big name called Wayne Roberts, who called himself Wayney Poo. And he was doing breakfast and he used to do little voices for me. And this whole town, this whole town took off. Taiwan oh, didn't exist. No. Um, and we, we, uh, that's right. And we'd have, we had the frumps club <laughs> and these kids would ring up and say the frumpiest thing that their mother had done. Oh God. Their poor mothers. Yeah. And there were things like grey mince on toast <laughs> and mince with hundreds and thousands. Oh, that's a new one. <laughs> <laughs> never, never thought of that guy. And they'd all, uh, yeah. uh, that's right. Now I remember we had this rubbish bin that sat in the foyer full of these tragic songs, (laughs) and kids could come in and take one out. Oh, dear, yeah. Anyway, I think the best story about Radio Eye was Mark Ackerman, who went on, was a great voiceover artist. He used to do the toilet duck ads here. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. you probably remember the voice. I know know the ads, A voice like, like... 
John Sweatman yeah, yeah. lives in Australia. He came to me and he said, I've got this record and I want you to have a listen to it. It's been sent to me by a friend of mine in London called Dick James, Dick James Music. And he said, have a listen to it and tell me what you think. I had a listen to it and I said, it's brilliant. It's wonderful. Can I play it tonight? So I put it on the air. Do you know what the song was? Elton John singing your song. Wow. I was the first person Is his, that right? to play your song. Yeah. Now, you introduced him too in concert, yeah, so that yeah. went full circle. Yeah, we talked about but that. But that's, that's where he began with that. He began song. with that song. Yeah. And Dick James, yeah. DJM Records. Man. Was and he was a friend. What of was my, the reaction to you playing it? As a great. Yeah. I mean, in those days, everybody. There were only two stations: yeah, Radio so I and Harry. Everyone heard it. Everyone yeah. heard it. Yeah. And the other, the other song that I played accidentally, and was the first was <laughs> accidentally. Yeah. That was a toilet break. And I needed to go to the toilet, which was sort of at the other end of the hall. So you need a bit of duration. I needed a long song, and. We just got, I, I forgot which, I always get confused. It was a Led Zeppelin album yeah. anyway. Yeah. And I looked, I thought, there's a long song. Yeah, because you could see them on the vinyl, yeah, how long they you were. Could see, yeah, you could see. I know, I, I think I know what it's yeah, going to yeah. be. Yeah, yeah. And I put it on, didn't take much notice, and came back after the toilet break. The phones were ringing off the hook. Right. What is that song? Yeah. And it was Stairway to Yeah, heaven, of course, yeah. yeah. Which was never released in New Zealand as a single. No. yeah. Yeah, and it's the most, I don't know, played radio song yeah, or something well, in the world. Well, first, first yeah. in New Zealand. So again. So those two, two songs. And they're significant songs. Yeah, they, are, they were, weren't they? Yeah. Um, that whole thing about playing music, again, it's different now. Back in the day, not only were you a voice and your personality, you're coming up with all these, like a virtual town, yeah. for God's sake, but you're also you're, you're operating everything as well. You're playing everything. You're coordinating. I mean, the motor skills and everything and the timing and the rhythm of that was a whole skill set in itself, wasn't it? Oh. And that's sort of lost now, maybe. And we picked our own music. Wow. Think yeah. of that. Yeah. I, I mean, I knew that I would play nothing but... You know, top well, not top forty, because you know, played a, a bit of rock, you know, yeah. a bit of Hendrix, Cream. Yeah. In fact, at five RM, I played Jimi Hendrix and Cream and all those sort of bands. But it was just a mishmash of mm. basically newish music, but pop. You know, mm-hmm. we do we play everything. Um, and you're playing 45s, 45s and queuing things queuing up and skid mats and going and, this way. And albums, you know, trying to find the track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you go, oh, God, yeah. where is it? Oh, there yeah. it is. In, in quick time. Yeah. Yeah. As well as an ad. And you're firing off the ads. Yeah. Um, you must have been at the transition to cartridges. That must have been a, a huge there was. thing. A at huge 5 RM, everything was on, on these vinyl 45s. Yeah. yeah. And then I remember Mike Fuster saying, we're going to get a spot master. Right, and I yeah. said, what's a spot master? And <laughs> said, wait. And so we had one cart machine. Yeah. And then I remember going to Bendigo after that, and we had two cart machines. But you had to switch between. Oh, like the input. Yeah. So you'd, you'd be playing a commercial there. And you had to be sitting there. So even more work required. Yeah, yeah. and you, you'd be ready to press the button on the bottom <laughs> one 
and flip it down at the right, same time. Gee. So you get little gaps. Yeah. Oh, and the other thing, we were talking about um, the buy, sell and exchange and the Speedway report. The other memory I have of Bendigo and also Berry, there were no local newspapers, so we had to do funeral announcements. Oh. So w- w- what you did is that you stopped. Because you've got to be respectful. Yeah, and you played, I still remember it, Handel's Largo. Ah. You'd establish it and then you'd fade it down, very 2YA, yeah. and say, it is with deep regret that we announce the passing of Agnes Fitzgibbon Smythe of Berry Blah, blah, blah. Wow. Solemn. Funeral services will be held at three o'clock at St. Agnes's Church in Berry. No flowers by request. <laughs> Funeral directors and you'd met there. Yeah. Faded up, little and then back to the top. Yeah. <laughs> Bammo, yeah, back into it. Back. Yeah. And the other the other nightmare was reading the stock market report, which would come uh. through on this on one of those... Well, they had teleprinters, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they and made a hell of a noise. Ages. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also in Bendigo, 3BO was the station. So we called it the perspiration yeah, station. Yes, you would. And John Law started there too, by the yeah, way. Yeah. Um, and I remember this huge studio and it had air conditioning. But when you turned the microphone on, it turned the air conditioning off. Oh. Well, so you wouldn't get the hum or yeah, something. Yeah, so you'd turn on your mic and you hear the sort of... <laughs> <laughs> the aircon's shutting down. The aircon's shutting down. Yeah, yeah. So that was yeah. So so um, you you were you were you know you were quite a star. You you how did you deal with that? You must have you've had fans and all of that. I mean, um, did you uh, get a chance to connect with the audiences? Uh, I used often? to love because we used to go out and do stuff, right? Yeah, I did lots of even at Radio I. We used to go out and and uh, I remember we had this one promotion called Key Mania which we gave away a car and we'd go out and we'd hide keys all over Auckland and then they'd give a cryptic clue right. on the radio. And I always remember, and I forgot the name of the road, but it was in Remuera and it was my turn to go out in the, the radio vehicle or whatever it was called. The radio car. Yeah, well, no, I don't think we called it that because yeah. that was the... Well, we, we only had radio cars. Yeah, that was the interbeer, yeah, so we yeah. had to come up with another name. Yeah. I think it was called the I or something right. like that. And we hit it, I hit it in the section, <laughs> and there was suddenly just hundreds of people, and the, literally the, the section was trampled. Wow. They wouldn't, uh, whoever owned it wouldn't have to worry about cutting the grass. <laughs> yeah. The, those were the exciting yeah. things that we did. And it's yeah. amazing, amazing you're doing something and then you, you go out and you see all the people that yep. come along. It's, you think, whoa, okay. And I love that. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, I remember my first, first live gig again in Bendigo. Was him seeing a concert by the Twilights, who morphed into the Little River Band, of right, course. Of course, yeah, okay. Glenn Shorrock cool. and yeah. all those guys. They were great, by the way. Yeah, they were, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. History, so history's big. So yeah. there I was in front of my first crowd. Yeah, and, and loved it. Yeah, the performer came out. Yeah, um, and then 
where did I go? Oh, after after Radio I. Oh, that's right. They suddenly they decided they were going to change format, and one night in the middle of my show, I had suddenly there was a record given to me that I had to play called. The Long and Winding Road, except oh. it wasn't by the Beatles. Oh. It was by Liberace. <laughs> Crikey. Well, that's, yeah, okay, that's not maybe the change you uh, I thought, wanted to be part of, right? I thought no. Yeah. So <laughs> I... Th- I went, so like a red line. Yeah, and they went into this beautiful music <laughs> yeah, format. I remember and, that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I went off to Townsville. Yeah. Okay, back to Australia. Uh, back to Australia. Yeah. Worked at 4AY up there for a couple of years. And then I decided I wanted to leave. And I always remember I got this phone call just after I resigned. The manager had rung up Rod, another New Zealander actually, Rod Muir, who ran to SM. And that had been my dream. Yeah, of course, from all those years ago. I right? yeah. always wanted to work at 2SM. And he rang me up. And, and I'd also I'd had an offer from a Brisbane station as well. That's why I was leaving. So no job problems here. You, you, you oh. plenty of jobs around, oh. right? No, no prospect oh. of I was hard pirated times. and yeah. poached, and yeah, I had yeah. no, yeah. no worries. Um, so I, he rang me and said, "Look, uh, I've forgotten the guy's name. The manager doesn't want you to leave. Now, if you stay for another year at four AY, and you listen to everything I tell you." I will give you a job on 2SM. He said, provided you're up to standard. Mm-hmm. And, of course, me immediately thought the worst. And I said, well, what's I'm not up to standard? <laughs> and he said, well, that'll be your problem. And I said, I think I'll go to 4BK. So I went to 4BK, which is now B105. And it was, it was a good choice. I learned a lot there. I worked with Wayne Roberts again, Wayne E. Poe. He'd basically arranged mm-hmm for me to go there and I remember another legendary disc jockey called Malcolm T. Elliott I did nights and then I'd been there I was there about a year and I got a phone call from Graham Parsonage and said we're opening a new radio station in Christchurch would you like to come and do drive and I thought and again, the whole thing came up again about I can show those keywords uh, that I can do it. Right. So this is a this is sort of like a reoccurring thing in a yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. I well, think I think you, all my life. Did you ever satisfy that? By the way, in the end, or you still? <laughs> well, well, in a way, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think I've satisfied. Anyway, so. I went to Avon. It was July 1973. I remember arriving there, and it was worse than arriving in Berry. There was a power cut. There was fog everywhere. Oh. And I thought, what have I done? <laughs> anyway. And we, this is a brand new station. Brand no, new. No listeners yet. Nothing, nothing. from scratch. Is Abs- that the first time you've been involved in it, like a yeah. startup? Oh, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. All the others had been yeah. well established. Yeah. And, um and I remember the first week, we, the whole week, we did a dummy run as if we were on air. And then the Saturday morning came and we went on air. Graham Pass was just the first voice. Um, the first song was played, Nice to Be With You by the Gallery. Yeah. 
and I did drive, and we killed it. Right. We killed it. The, the station just... Ha, what, like instantly, sort of? Instantly. Lots of pre-publicity. They'd never heard anyone like me, you know. <laughs> I, I was... Uh, it was the whole 2SM act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, the station was modelled on it. We had great jingles. We had Jingles are very important. Yeah. They were, weren't they? They were, yeah. really. And they're yeah. making a comeback. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I hear a lot of American stations using them. Yeah. WCBS in New York, which is uh, 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 top 40 Legendary radio station. Anyway, so I went on, and I was doing Drive, and I was flatting with people from 3ZB, and Chris Muirhead came, and this lady called Isla McLeod. Yeah, I've heard of her. Yeah. yeah. Said, oh, you have a listen, because uh, Murray Ingalls is on uh, <laughs> Radio Avon, and... Um, and Chris, of course, knew me, you know, because yeah. we worked together. And he came back to me and he said, I didn't hear him. There's only some guy called Rod Irving. <laughs> I said, oh, that's Murray. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, going, Radio Irving. <laughs> Brilliant. And anyway, <laughs> so we, you know, it took off. That must have been a great feeling. Oh. Um, Launching something and then it taking off. It just took off. And unbelievable. Sticking it to. Yeah. The, you know. we just, we, and what happened was that uh, Wayne Douglas was doing breakfast. I know Wayne. Yeah. yeah. Well, he was doing. He, there were, I won't go into the gossip, but he, he left. And so they wanted a new breakfast. Well, I knew Wayne. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, and, and that's where the morning. That's where I was Murray the Eye till then. Yeah. And I just lobbied to get that breakfast yeah. show. Because that's the pinnacle yeah, on a station. Yeah, yeah. So I I got it, and I'd, I'd been listening to a guy in New York called Imus in the Morning. I know Imus. Yeah, yeah. yeah great. Imus in the Morning. Yeah. And I I thought, how can I do that? Yeah. Because he had his cast, didn't he, of his yeah, people he good, talked to, yeah, and he'd yeah. talk about anything. He, oh, he was great, yeah. and and I loved him. You know, I um, and I met him years yeah, later. Right, but I, that, when I went to New York, um, anyway. So I thought somebody said, "What's short for Murray?" Yeah, and I said, "Well, my brothers used to call me Maza." Yeah, and they <laughs> said, "That's it, Maza yeah. in the morning." Yeah, we. So I went on, we did the first hour between five and six was live. Well, the whole show was live, obviously. But we did these, I called it Phone Fun, and yeah. Kellogg's actually sponsored the right. whole hour. Yeah. So it made money out of it. Yeah. And there were people ringing up from all over the place old ladies, <laughs> guys in factories. Yeah. And it became like a cult thing. And it led to me, I used to go to people's houses who rang up in the morning and broadcast the wow, show that from that must have been amazing. It was great. And The moments that would come out of that, yeah. I can imagine. Oh, you know, and nobody <laughs> was doing it. And I, and I was doing phantom phone calls long before anyone yeah. else was doing it. Yeah. Um, and so we'd do, I remember we did, 
we did harbour cruises. We went out on the tugboats yeah. and took a whole bunch of listeners out there. And these were people from, you know, old ladies yeah. down to young people. So it was a quite a wide, because everything's so yeah. sliced and diced now, but back then... Back then, it a, was... A, a big, w- wide mouth of, yeah, yeah. of listeners, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and we had a form, form, you know, two currents to one oldie. Yeah. But we picked... Oh, we had a rotate. But nothing was that old then, because it's still early on in the whole... Yeah, well, I mean, an oldie was the big... Like, yeah, like yeah, five year, five years old. Or yeah, this was nineteen seventy three. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah. So it was ten years yeah. old. You know. Yeah. So um, oh, I was thinking more of Sergeant Peppers and things like that. But, yeah. but, but still, it's yeah, not that yeah. old. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. songs like "Love Me Do" yeah. were the oldies. Yeah. Um, and yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah so we, yeah, we had fifty two percent of the audience, and making money. Oh, hand over fist. Yeah. I wasn't paid much, but yeah. but they made money. So you were, were you become inevitably a star, radio and, star and Christchurch. What was that like? That was amazing. I really, I'd always had a thing about image, yeah, and I I cultivated a look, yeah. the way I dressed, yeah, uh, how I appeared in public. I had to. Do you know? I I would never let myself be seen as getting drunk, right? Or anything. Oh, okay, that's. Uh, I would yeah. party. Yeah, but but you're I, not the one getting messed up. No, no. Yeah. It was because it was family radio. That, that was a conscious. Yeah, effort. I mean, I did outrageous things yeah. and told filthy jokes <laughs> and did all sorts of outrageous stunts, you know. But yeah. and the the culmination really was. Well, two two events. I think maybe the two events at every radio station, but the two there were. Um, the first one was ZM at that stage was didn't have any audience. They decided they were going to do this beautiful music format, right? And call themselves Radio Nova. Yes, I think I remember hearing about that. Yeah. Um, uh, that doesn't sound like a very smart move. It wasn't. <laughs> and, but they did a lot of marketing. And I said to Parsonage, I said, let's make certain that they don't get any audience. <laughs> so he, me, and a guy called Tim Crowther, who went on to become one of the, world, one of the world's great copywriters. He worked in, all over the world. Yeah. We dreamed up the start. Where I would, and where Graham would write me a, a, a memo saying, "You've got, we've had so many complaints about those dirty jokes that you tell between five and six in the morning. You've got to stop. You've and you've got to, otherwise we'll take an hour off your show between eight and nine. And I, of course, read it out on the air. Yeah. And all the listeners will ring up. He can't do that. It's <laughs> brilliant. Can't do that. Yeah. So come the Friday morning, uh, you know, Graham was at, at the station. Even the receptionist who sat right outside the studio didn't know. And his guy you might have heard of, Jack Groves, who was I've a heard the name, yeah. newsreader, yeah. didn't know either. And they were an integral part of the show. So that's great that they didn't know, because then you can get their absolute natural oh, responses and reactions, yeah. which just makes it even and better. None of the staff knew. <laughs> yeah. And... So they came in, we got this huge filing cabinet and put it against the door. I had a potty. Yeah. 
barley sugar. Yeah. And I can't remember what This is locking yourself in now. Locking myself in the studio. Yeah. Well, that gets people's attention. It does. And, <laughs> I mean, I was told that all the band bands playing in the pub stopped and they just listened to the radio to Mazza locking wow. himself in. Yeah. Apparently there were people out in the street <laughs> saying, uh, give Mazza what he wants or something. Brilliant. Yeah. And the station manager kept ringing me up and I kept putting him on air. I've got a air check of it somewhere. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, of course, he thought it was for real. Yeah. The board were doing it and they, they were threatening all sorts of things. As few people started to gather yeah. after about <clears throat> 48 hours. <laughs> it's two days, though. Yeah. It's well into yeah, it. Yeah, well into it. And um, I remember Bob Sutton, who was the local TV1 reporter, came down because it had made the news, came down with cameras, and I pulled the curtains in the studio. <laughs> of course, that was shown on the news. Yes. Which reinforced the whole thing. Yeah, again. yeah. yeah. So, uh, so you basically had everyone listening for yeah. what two days or more. Um, then, hanging off this but thing. then the trick was, Parsonage came on and said, "Well, Mazit, <laughs> you've won the day, but unfortunately, I've got to go to the board. We've got to talk about it. We'll let everybody know on Monday morning." Oh, of course. Monday morning was when the radio, the so everybody. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was all left up. In no the other air. station had an, had anyone listening. You'd no. suck the oxygen right out of the room. Yeah, right? brilliant. So, so that was great. Yeah, that was that, and uh, and, and it, it worked really well, eh? Oh yeah, we we did it. I heard that Simon Barnett tried to do the same thing years later, but it didn't work. Right, because and, he, and it was reported, I think, quite widely, oh, wasn't it? New York Times. Wow. Um, obviously TV, yeah. and I think even some of the other radio stations were running stories, <laughs> and it was in all the papers. I remember what somebody wrote, Johnny, come out of the studio. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And you had to stay awake all that time too, so that must have been tricky after a while. Well, I was young. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and barley sugars. Yeah, keep you going. Um, and... And I think I had baked beans or something. Anyway, so that was nice. Then um, a couple, I, I was did a lot of fake phone calls, you know, rang yeah. the Vatican, rang <laughs> Buckingham Palace, all that. Yeah. And EDR Min was really big. So Tim and I dummied up this phone call. He was the voice of EDR Min, and I was calling EDR Min. <laughs> and it was very good. Yeah. And unbeknown to me, they'd recorded that. They'd put a whole presentation together and sent it off to Billboard magazine in America. And I I didn't know they'd done this. So anyway, Parsonage went off to this conference in New Orleans. Mm. And Rod Muir was there from 2SM. The Hauraki guys were all there, all, all over the world. And I'll remember the Sunday forever. I was comparing a concert in the band Rotunda 
by the Avon River in Christchurch because every Sunday we had free concerts. Right. And I've got some photos yeah. that a friend gave me. And he said, they said, somebody rushed over and said, Graham's on the phone and he's just heard the Bee Gees. And of course, they were huge at that time. Yeah. And he wants to do a review. I said, okay, well, I'll come over and I'll record it and do it. Anyway, so I get there and we start the interview and I said, I believe you saw the Bee Gees. He said, yeah, but first I've got something to tell you. And I said, oh, okay, what's that? And he said, are you sitting down? (laughs) And I said, yeah. He said, Mazza, you have just been voted Billboard International Personality of the Year. Wow. One of the, you are one of the top ten in the world, and you have won the Southern Hemisphere. John Laws came second. Wow. How did that make you feel? I fell off the chair. Jeez. I was sitting on a chair. I just went, I didn't go to bed yeah. for two days. It was oh, in the papers. And you, and you sort of kind of didn't even try, right? I didn't even know. Yeah. Yeah, but um, and that's, I, that's incredible. That's yeah. amazing. That's such a a wonderful thing. Sort of like the radio awards, but, but only bigger. But yeah, well, <laughs> as big as big as you, you could ever probably hope for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the highlight of my yeah. career. Yeah, and you know, I mean, obviously, all sorts of congratulations. Even yeah. I think Muldoon sent me. Um, and it even made the New Plymouth newspaper, and that was <laughs> well, a, like local boy made good, sort of. Yeah, yeah. And it won, yeah. And I thought, oh, all those people that I went to school yeah. with, who'll be sitting in their dreary little houses. <laughs> See, I told you, with their dreary little wives, <laughs> yeah, and their, yeah, you know, here, and working here am in, I. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and what, apparently, it did. What have a great that, moment! It had that effect. But to finish it all off. I thought I've got one more thing to do. Yeah, and these remember these. This was nineteen seventy-seven. Right. Um, I put together a telegram. Yeah, and I sent it to Sefton Freeman, <laughs> and the wording was, "Yeah, thank you for my big break in radio, Murray Ingalls, Billboard International Personality <laughs> of the Year, voted one of the top ten announcers." And it was actually personalities, yeah. but I thought announcers. He they number, understand that word. Yeah. Um, and number one in the Southern Hemisphere. And a friend of mine was working at TZA. I said, go into Sefton. I rang him and said, go into Sefton Freeman's office. And he said his face just fell. It nearly wow. hit the floor. Yeah. That's, a, that's a great story. That was divine. Mm. Um, soon after that. Well, that, that. That's really winning. That's that's that really, was that's really winning. A, a, yeah, it was everything. Yeah, um, and it was the culmination of my mm. career, mm. really. Well, but, that's, like, that's like reaching the top. So yeah, you can say but, that you've reached the top. But there were still other yeah. things, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, it's only seventy-seven. I yeah, mean, yeah, <laughs> and, we're, I, and we're almost ninety minutes I, in. I know. So then we then um, I was silly. Parsons got a job as PD at Howrick. Yeah. So he, off he went. And I was left there, and um, and still writing through the, through the roof. They hired Ken Ellis to be the PD. Now, one more. This particular reporter wrote a story saying that private radio announcers were ruining the standard of speech <laughs> in New Zealand. 
And I got into a rant. <laughs> the establishment fights back. Yeah. And I said, everyone knows that Anne's got a kitchen that launched a thousand garbage bags. You'll have probably have to edit this out. Yeah, okay. But then I said, and everyone also knows that when Anne goes to the gynecologist, he plays Jean Autry records when she puts her feet in the stirrups. And yeah, very good. <laughs> anyway, so her husband apparently rang up the station, grumpy, and they really didn't understand me. You yeah. know, Parsonage had been my yeah. Oh, so they yeah, he'd gone and they did yeah yeah, and they never did. They'd always worried about. So, so you're not feeling like you you so much part of this thing anymore. Um, well, say? no, it had never that the board had never really got me. Yeah, yeah. They'd never really understood that everything I did yeah. was for the radio station. Yeah, they yeah. just thought I was a naughty boy. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. Um, yeah, it was thought out. It was, yeah, yeah, everything yeah. was planned. And a professional. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, meantime, they'd become incredibly wealthy. They'd bought yeah. a ski field. They'd bought four nice. XO. Yeah, yeah. They'd bought. You know, they'd made a hell of yeah. a lot of money. So, anyway, I'm having lunch up at the Cashmere Club with some friends, and I get this phone call, and somebody says, oh, the chairman of the board is on the line. And I went, and he said, we've had complaints about your performance this morning. I'm here to tell you that you're sacked. Don't come back to the radio station. <laughs> I thought, God. Is that the first time you've been sacked? Yeah, yeah, first time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, aside from well, maybe the, the only time I don't know, but yeah, aside from the two Z eight thing where right, they, right. yeah, which I guess they just said they weren't renewing yeah. my. It's cadet- not like we're, we're sacking you. It's like just don't turn up when this thing yeah. runs out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You cadetships over you. I think it was eighteen months or two yeah. years. All oh, right, yeah, you did. So, so anyway, I thought, oh God, what will I do? So I rang up Parsonage, and I said, I've just been sacked. And he said, yeah, I just heard. He said, come up. You can do drive on Hauraki. Sweet. So I went up there. First book, Hauraki went to number one. We right. bet ZB. Yeah. Fred Boddicker was on breakfast. Blackie was on mornings, nine to noon. Tony Amos was on middays. I was on drive. And Dr. Rock was doing yeah, nights. Yeah. Sweeto was doing ten to Yeah, that's two. right. Yeah, yeah. Wow, what a what a what a that, that's the pinnacle of it, isn't it? Yeah, hitting number one. Yeah, beating ZB. Yeah, boy, that must have. And that was great. I remember yeah. we all got these little lockers, pictures of the Tariana. Yeah. So I was there for about maybe a year, and I got a phone call from Two WS in Sydney who were opening a brand new station out west in Blacktown by Parramatta. And a guy called Mike Webb, and he said, how would you like to come over and do breakfast in Sydney? Well, He said, send me a tape. So I did, but unfortunately the tape, for some reason, was sped up. 
Oh, so you like, sound like sounded, a chipmunk. A chipmunk. But luckily, there were two people who'd worked at Avon with me who scored jobs there. And they could vouch for... Yeah, yeah. Bruce Barnett and uh, Kevin Best, who went on to immense success. Um, in fact, there were half the station were Kiwis. There was uh, a news guy who'd worked at Radio Windy, Alan Simon. So we did. I did breakfast at this brand new station. It was in an old house, um, and there were all sorts of great characters who I'm still friends with years later. Yeah, met all sorts of amazing people. Um, then what happened? Oh, I'd had enough of early morning, so I thought, <laughs> fair I'm, enough. I know. Yeah, I was tired. And we were rating well. Yeah. well. I mean, we weren't number one, but we were beating 2SM, which was a bit of a thrill. But that it was also, we were an AM station and FM was just right. starting. Mm. So I went to London for a while, holidayed around. One day I was went into New Zealand house. I don't know why, but I just went in. I think I saw it in the Haymarket. Oh, and there was a message from me for me. From Gosh, Gra- that, that's an interesting yeah, just, moment of timing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And it was from Parsonage and said, how would you like to come to Melbourne and do, I think it was Drive. So that relationship between you and him is actually being quite enduring. Oh, and, quite enduring, yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. Got over a long... Yeah. yeah, and he was my... He, I mean, I put most of my success... Wow. Down to two program directors. Mm. One was Graham Parsonage, the other one was Eric Selmers. Oh, I can't say enough about him. Mm. He's wonderful. And in fact, it was his birthday yesterday. And just before I came in, I sent yeah. him a birthday. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. But anyway, um, so I thought, oh, okay. Yeah, I sort of hadn't really, there was no work in London for me because mm. I didn't have a passport at that stage. Mm. Um so I went back to Melbourne, had a great time there. I remember I got Bob Hawke, who was the Prime Minister. On the, I used to ring people up and say, <laughs> what's your favourite song? Yeah. And and do a little interview. And I got Bob Hawke on. And his was the Collingwood Football Club theme song. <laughs> Brilliant. And, Very earthy. Yeah, yeah. So that, And I was a supporter of Collingwood. Yeah. And yeah, Melbourne was great. I loved it there. We did, I did. I used to do the record panel on Hey Hey at Saturday. Yeah, yeah. I used to go out there every Saturday morning, and it was on Saturday morning with uh, Daryl Summers, Aussie Ostrich, the Mad yeah, Ostrich. Yeah. And I think it was shown here in New Zealand. Yes, it was. I remember it. Yeah, yeah. I remember the, the yeah. uh, not the specific episodes, but the, yeah, yeah. No, the, I think I don't know the ones I were in were shown here, but because they were in the mornings, yeah. then they moved it to nights. Yeah. I think I think we got the evening. Yeah, version. and um, Molly Meldrum came in, who yep. was a legend. Anyway, so I was there again for another year, and I got a phone call from Radio Windy. Windy. Heard, got, heard yeah. I'd worked with the manager in Townsville, so it's all... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, enduring relationships yeah, that keep Paul, coming back on. Yeah, yeah. Paul Ramson. Right. And he said, we're looking for a new program director. Would you oh, be interested? It's a program director now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I said, oh, Paul, I don't know. I 
a survey's just come out, and I was number one at night, so I bet 3XY, which was the 2SM of Melbourne. And I said, things are going pretty good here. Yeah. Um, he said, well, look, come over. I'll fly you over. And Kiss are playing in Wellington, so you might like to go. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah big fan of Kiss. Yeah. Um, so he flew me over. And I remember going to the Kiss concert and then going to the after party at the Travel Lodge in Oriental Bay <laughs> and the most debauched party yeah, I've ever been yeah, to. Yeah. It was. Yeah, I right. couldn't tell you what went on. Yeah, okay. Um, That's for another podcast. It involved water sports, shall we say. Yeah, okay. Um, anyway, <laughs> so I worked there and the breakfast announcers were Paul Holmes and Dave Marnie. Right. And it was it was a good little station, um, but Paul and Dave were. I I didn't know how to handle them. <laughs> um, I remember one morning they were obviously taking some form of stimulant, shall we say, <laughs> and I was I just couldn't handle it. Right. I, I, I rang them up. Anyway, they led an insurrection against me. Oh, okay. Um, and said, you just want to turn us into one of those three XY radio stations. I said, no, I don't. My, yeah, and you're someone who's pioneered outrageousness, so yeah, it's not yeah. as if you don't know what you're talking yeah. about. And, and uh, we were, I mean, we were catching up to ZM at that yeah, stage. Yeah. And they, you know, it was really nasty. So... Mm. <sighs> I thought, oh, this is ridiculous. You're out of there, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, not quite. I, I, I said, look, I don't want to be PD anymore. Uh, um, and I, 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 I think I took over. Bre- yeah, I took over breakfast. I think they left, or for mm. some reason. Well, and, that, that's where where I first heard you. Ah, uh, mm. yeah, and. Um, yeah, and I worked with some wonderful people there. Pam Cork, who was in the newsroom. Mm-hmm. Jack Groves had come up to read news. Uh, Graham Parsonage came and took over as PD. Right, and there you go again. Yeah. yeah. And anyway, I st- really, I, I was sort of a bit over. I was starting to get a bit over, you know, early mornings, yeah. all that stuff. And ZM approached me in Christchurch. said, come back to Christchurch. So I went back there and did a duo with Ken Ellis. Mm. My father died. I left. Um, and James Daniels took over. Right. Then I ended up at 91 FM. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, in, we're into the 80s, aren't yeah, we, at that yeah. point? And so. And that really was, I look at it as another culmination of greatness for me. It was, right. you know, we. FM, we yeah. took the market by storm. We were beating a, a Triple M, which it was then. Yeah. Uh, ZM, all of them. We were, and I, I was, did breakfast with Nat. With, first of all, with Joanna Paul. Oh yeah. And Joanna. then Natalie Brunch. Remember her? Name rings a yeah, bell. Yeah, she did. Lovely. Yeah. I did, and then Lanier Johnson. So and. And, the, and I just we just took it to the streets. Yeah, we did outrageous things. I remember. <laughs> well, I remember one time we, I, at Christmas, I used to, I'd get a busload of people, 
and we'd go around and knock on people's famous people's doors, and they'd come to the door at seven in the <laughs> morning. A busload of people. A busload of people singing. <laughs> we did it to Martin Crow. Yeah, uh, he was we, a nice guy, by the way. Lovely guy. Mm. Both the brothers were. I knew both of them well, actually. And then we did it to Kath Tizard, <laughs> and then I said, I was just, I wonder what it would be like if we could get into the prison and do it. Okay. So, like Mount Eden or Perimeter. Per, per, oh, oh. So, yeah. <laughs> so we get a busload like a, of like people. Like a challenger. <laughs> yeah, so we get a busload of people. We go out to Perimeter. We've got permission. Yeah. We go right in. Wow. Through all these, you sort of, there was bars went up. Yeah. There were another lot in front of us. Yeah. The ones behind us went down. Yes, like one. get smart almost, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we go in and we sing the carols to all these hardened criminals. Yes. And I'm chatting away to this one guy, you know, and we're all chatting, being friendly, and they all sing like nice guys. And this yeah. guy was a really nice guy. And afterwards I said, walk away. And, and he said, oh, can you say hi to my wife or someone and after the, we were leaving I said to I said to the guard uh, that guy was a really good guy he didn't seem to belong <laughs> he said he's the axe murderer from uh, that post office in Canterbury yes oh dear <laughs> he chopped up the <laughs> Did you, you sort of can't tell sometimes right no yeah. it was that, that must have been a bit of a, an interesting moment it was an <laughs> Interesting's not the, but yeah, I and we used to go to people's houses and have barbecues. I remember we did some outrageous April Fool's Day stunts. I remember one we did on on the beach at um, Takapuna, and we went there the night before. And these days, what have we shot? Have we did it, and we got we made these great sort of about three big sand mounds. And cover them in black, um, uh, sort of plastic wrap stuff. Yeah. Polythene, is it? Or Polythene, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we so we did, we did this, and the next morning we came on and said that there'd been three whales stranded on Takapuna <laughs> Beach. How many people turned up? Thousands. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> And I always remember. It's great when it works. So. Yeah, it yeah. worked. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, the thing is, I think about all these stunts, we yeah. planned them. We yeah. just didn't. Like a military. Yeah, it was. Because all... you, you have to get. It has to work, eh? Yeah, you can't sort of just say, oh, let's do yeah. this now. Yeah. And I get the impression a lot of people do that and it falls flat. So you've got to have your backup. You've got to plan it. You've got to map it out. You just can't. Yeah. And I think that's why it worked. You know, there was, we did a lot of stuff like that. Can I fast forward to yep. today? Because I want to get to, because mm. we've been talking for a long time, and I, yeah. I want to get what you think about things now. With that huge arc of career and having done everything, things that have worked great and probably things that haven't worked so yep. well yep. that you discard, how do you, what do you see the, the radio scene uh, as it is now? Do, do you like what you hear? Um, do you think... Are you impressed by the talent? Uh, has there been a? Has it evolved to a better level? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Because um, there are always talented people around. There are talented people around. I think. I mean, one of the things that I think's happened, and this is particularly in this country, mm. in New Zealand, mm. is that we're overserved. 
Okay. I think there are far too many brands. How did that happen, do you think? Deregulation. Right. And no, and no control. But we're small, so you, you, you wonder how all that fragmentation can be supported. Yeah. 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 Um, Australia have done it right. They've semi, uh, but they've got a vast population. Yeah. So you get, uh, you know, I, to my mind, I hear just a whole uh, three or four people sitting around giggling, telling stories about, I mean, there's some good stories, but they're all about themselves. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. I yeah. went to the beach today, and I just last year I read this interest, really interesting article written by a consultant mm. who said the most important word in radio is you. So in other words, have you seen that new movie yes. at the thing? Because it engages, yeah. it's inclusive. Exactly. It's not me. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean you can say, yeah. Have you have you heard the new song by, yeah, Madonna, um, Lady Gaga? Yeah, I personally quite liked it. What do you think? Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, sometimes you've got to throw an opinion. Yeah, but I always, I and that was the thing I've always believed in: throwing to the audience right. or throwing to one person. Actually, yeah, that, you have to think of one person. Yeah, don't you? yeah. That, I always believed that. Yeah. Do, only, do you do you have a classic visualization yeah, of that person? Yeah, usually yeah. it's someone I know. Right. Um, a lot of the times it was my mother. A lot of the times it might have been. Someone I was having a relationship with might be just friends, right. but it was always one person, mm. you know, depending on where I was, you know, because it's, it's, it's obvious I've yeah. moved a lot. Yeah, you're in a different yeah, situation. So, uh, so you, what you're saying is you're not hearing a lot of that these I don't days. hear that. A no. lot of you is more than I. It seems to be I, 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 yeah. Me, yeah. Me. I mean, maybe I don't listen to enough radio, but and I tend to listen to Australian radio. Mm. I love a, I love a couple. They're called Kyle and Jackie O. Mm. I listen. They come on at eight o'clock our time, and you can they're online. Mm. Um, I think I'm trying to think of people who I think are, are great broadcasters. I think JJ Feeney is very good. Mm. I've never really thought Polly and Grant are that great. Mm -hmm. um, Especially with her lilac lips, yeah. <laughs> That's the other thing. You can cameras in studios now. I, yeah, I'm, they always, all do it. They're... I always, I mean, I can see why, but I always thought it was sort of good to know, like the Wizard of Oz, have keep the curtain sort of close, so people are trying to imagine all the time what things are, rather than actually seeing it as it is, because that's part of the. The mystique. The whole, and the, the theatre of the mind. Exactly. And, yeah. that, and that's a very real saying. It, it really yeah, applies. it is. It, and you hear that yeah. on great broadcasters. I mean, I'm a fan of Scott Shannon, who works on a station called WCBS yeah. in New York. Um, and another one who I was always a fan of, and I didn't mention this earlier on because there's so many things to yeah. remember. But when I won the award, part of the prize was I was sent to America and went to Memphis, where I worked with one of the greats, and particularly back in those days, Rick Dees. Right. 
again, he taught me so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. And he, a great broadcaster. Yeah, totally. Theatre of the mind. Had racks of carts in those yeah. days. Characters. Yeah. Um, full on. Yeah. Full on. He did, he did little jingles for me. In fact, he did this jingle that became my signature was the mouth, the mouth of the South. <laughs> right. And he... Yeah. Um, and year, years later, I was talking to Peter McElwain, who you'll know, yep. and he said, I met Rick Dees, and he was talking about you and said that you had a great set that's of pipes. incredible. Yeah. Well, that's another. Yeah, it was so, yeah. such a, a compliment. You know? Yeah. Yeah, so if you see Pete, ask him uh, that story. And, yeah. and we'll get him on this program yeah, at some point yeah, too. Yeah. Um, hey, it's been so amazing talking to you. Thank you. Uh, we could probably fill up another couple of hours, actually. But uh, we haven't even got onto the gossip that I know about a lot of radio people. We haven't even touched. It's <laughs> a separate it. series. That of is it. a separate. We have to get that uh, legal checked. You know? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, um, it's been wonderful talking to you, and uh, what a great amount of memories. And I would say that uh, your career choice was right on. In the end, I think it was. Yeah. yeah I lo- I loved it. Yeah. I. And you're still doing it, so it's not... Yeah, sort of, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll be 76 but, this yeah, year. Yeah, not to that intensity, but... Yeah, no, but, oh, God, no, I couldn't As long as you've got it. a voice and you're yep. not forgetting things. And I, and I still... The creative juice is still flowing. I'll suddenly think, oh, God, I'd love to be, I want yeah. to do that. Yeah, well, that, you must, that must be quite a few of those moments with the yeah, I have a lot. you've had. Well, I did yeah. one of those tests, and I'm a total right brain thinker. <laughs> I've got no logic. Yeah, yeah that's well, right. It's yeah. all, all creative, right? Freewheeling creativity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the sensitivity that goes with it. And the, you know, I've had ups and downs. I've had a nervous breakdown. Um, well, no one gets away, Scott. Yeah, in, I don't. In a, in a life, you know, yeah, a whole life. I think, yeah. And, yeah. and it was late in life. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, but I don't have any regrets. No. I've met some fabulous people. Well, that's people. the thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I pa- I've spent a wonderful afternoon with Robin Williams. Wow. At the Seville Townhouse in Sydney. Yeah. Um, and it, absolutely memorable. Um, Peter Cook and Dudley Moore, I spent a, 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 on a train. Incredible, yeah. Um, Elton John yeah. and Computers concert yeah, in front of yeah. 70,000 people. looking out amongst... That was a buzz yeah. at Western Springs. Yeah, yeah, huge. Um, I had a wonderful dinner with a, a great actor called Peter Ustinov. Yes, yeah, yeah. He was a great storyteller, oh, great, a great raconteur. At the Camelot actor. Restaurant in Christchurch, Benny Laverna, who was an old promoter from yeah, way back, that name. invited yeah. me, said, how would you like to have dinner with Benny Laverne, Whoa. with um, yeah. Peter Oostinoff? Yeah. Uh, oh, maybe. Yeah, I, of course you'd no, jump at yeah. that, you? And I always remember I said to him, I remember you made that movie with um, Humphrey Bogart and a couple of other people, Aldo Ray, who no one else except me has heard of, uh, called We're No Angels. And I said, you must have met um, Bogey's wife, Lauren yeah, McCall. Yeah. And he said, yes. And I said, is it true that she was a lush? And he said, I don't talk about those sort of things <laughs> and put me at my place. Oh, totally. yeah, yeah. That's Good a, on him. Yeah, and I, yeah. I admired the man yeah. even more for that. Right. I spent an afternoon, oh, well, not an afternoon, a few hours with Betty Davis. Wow. She came to Christchurch. Yeah. Dr. Hawk, I became yeah. great mates with yeah. them. Um, flat with Paul Holmes yeah. one stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, that's the thing with that that line of work. You get to meet people like that. It's uh, um, and uh, that's a rare thing. Uh, not everybody gets that opportunity. So that's, uh, I guess, it's a real privilege or, or an incredible byproduct of working in that sort of career. That you, I, I, yeah. I mean, I'm not a religious person anymore, but I do look back and think that. I've had a wonderful life. Yeah. I love my life. I've had ups and downs, as yeah. I say, but the people I've met, the things I've done, where I've been. Uh, and the happiness uh, and entertainment you've yeah. created. Well, that, somebody said that to me just recently, actually. That I said, uh, I was going through a down period because mm. I'm bipolar too. Mm. And I said, oh, I just felt. My life's been a waste. I haven't done it. And they hasn't said, been a waste, mate. A, look at the people mm. you've entertained. Mm. Look at the people you've made laugh. Mm. And that's mm. in itself. Not just one or two. Thousands. Yeah. Hundreds of thousands. Yeah. Probably. And that sort of woke me up. Mm. And I mm. thought, yeah, so no, life's been good. And it still is. You mm. know, I've got... Got great friends mm. and mm. a lot of friends outside radio. Mm. That was one thing I've consciously done. Try right, to yeah. have friends who are not involved because, like this, you know, people you get with radio people. Yeah. All we do is yeah, talk about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's yeah. Theatre people well, are the same. It can't be the only thing that goes on in your life. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. Be so than you've got to have yeah. other things. Yeah. 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 But you know, I know police people talk about the same things. People yeah. they have common. Grounds yeah. and they talk shop. Yeah, exactly. So it's well, not... it's been great talking shop. Let's shake hands. Thank <laughs> yeah. you for coming on our first Radio Gaga podcast. I hope you can get. It's that. a working title, but it'll uh, be in this one. Okay? I hope you can get some of the Gaga out. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the, yeah. Maybe uh, editing is everybody's friend, right? Uh, yeah, we all exactly. know that. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking of the length. I mean, <laughs> oh well, we'll chop it down a bit. But, but, but here's the thing. No one cares about length anymore. This is the thing. Um, well, that's when it comes true. to podcasting, and audio is great because it's transportable. So if you're walking somewhere, so really uh, not too fussed about duration Oh, anymore. that's all right. Yeah. And, and it's a good thing. But uh, that was great to chat. Thank you for, for coming in. And all the best. And on behalf of all those people, you know, thank you. Big thanks. Oh, and thank for us you. younger guys, because, you know, you're about 20 years ahead of me. <laughs> 30 years. <laughs> well, um, but uh, you guys laid down the track that I mean I'm not trying to make it more than this but you know that everyone could feel confident and come through and do their thing because you first generation of that you know, made yeah. it possible so. I, I think the generation that I came from did change radio uh, no it I did. mean how Ricky changed it yeah yeah, Radio I changed yeah. it. And that's a, a station that doesn't get credit do you know I talked to a program director at The Sound um who had no idea that Radio I at one stage existed huh? was a top four, a great yeah. top four right. station. Yeah. I only thought of it as the laid back, as the yeah, yeah, as talk back Easiness. and all that. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, Um And I thought, like when I when I started on radio, I knew the history. I knew the name yeah. of every announcer Same. in the country. Same. I I, you know, I knew about. Cham the man, I knew that Colin Lehman worked at mm. 4ZB and that 
Mm. Prudence Gregory mm. did the women's hour there, mm. and the Doreen, Doreen did it at Two ZB, and Lindsay Yo did the breakfast. But people don't know that anymore. They they're not interested in the history. Surely it should be taught though, as part of the curriculums that train these. I would have thought so, because. I mean, it's good to know, but it's also really interesting. Yeah. Why would you not want to know that? But yeah. why, and also, how did we get to yeah, where we exactly. are? Yeah. What, you know, I yeah. mean, it's like the, the history of a country. Yeah, yeah. And radio is part of the history. Yeah, because it of reflects the cultural, yeah. you know, points along the way. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's been great having you. All the best, Mazza. Thank you. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.